Blog Talk Radio. General Quarters, Security Condition 3. Thank you. Security 3, sir. General Quarters 3, Intruder Alert. GQ 3, Intruder Alert. Oh, I don't think it's an intruder alert. And I don't know. I don't know. This doorman, I keep hearing some things about him. I'm not sure what's going on. But uh, I know he's been awfully uh, faithful to me here. So, uh, Mr. Sulu. We may talk later, but anyway, welcome once again to Madam Perry's Salon, the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration. I am your host and cruise director, Madam Perry, and I am so happy to be here and so happy to uh, introduce you to tonight's guest. Well, you may already met him. You definitely know who he is and you've definitely heard him. But first, let me go over a few other things that have been happening. Last night we had Sonia Tetlow on and she's got a new CD called Now and it is just uh, amazing. I've known her. In fact, I think she was a guest on my TV show back in the early 90s. And so it's been really cool when you see an artist in the beginning of their career and get to watch them grow. That's always rather exciting. And um, let's see, coming up soon, well, actually tomorrow night, there's a guy called Doug Stenson. And here's the cool thing about Doug. Um, he sort of found himself accidentally, it sounds like, as an intern in the White House during the Nixon administration, which as a kid, well, that'd be one thing to see what goes on, but he had a ringside seat to Watergate and all, how all that unfolded, and he's going to be on tomorrow night, and uh, he's got a pretty interesting book. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Also, um, coming up soon, you know, we had... Uh, Tom Slick on. Tom was uh, Tom Slick was on a few months ago. He's producer for uh, Pitbull, uh, Ying Yang Twins, and some folks like that. And he's coming back. I believe it's coming back in January to talk about some new stuff he's got on. I don't think it has to do with Pitbull, uh, but he says he's got more, and he went ahead and, and, and rebooked his as soon as we got started. So that's cool. 
also very soon, um, oh, people keep asking me about Jasper Bark. Jasper Bark, the uh, uh, author and comic filmmaker in London. Jasper Bark's got a lot of new things going on as far as also some graphic novels, and uh, he'll be back soon. Keeps getting to be more and more fun. So, uh, anyway, thanks to all of you who subscribe, who listen, who share, who download Madame Perry Salon. It helps me get more good guests, like I've got the last, well, all this year and coming up soon and tonight. And so I just can't wait to share that with you, too. Hey, you know what? Also, I wanted to tell you, um, you might have seen, I've been on the road with one of my clients, Jen. Jennifer Irwin with her book, Address the Color of the Sky, which is uh, soon to be made into a motion picture. And it's about a woman named Prue who's going into rehab for sex addiction. So uh, right now, until midnight tonight, the book, Address the Color of the Sky, is available on Amazon in Kindle format for only $9.99. But tonight's guest, I am so excited to share, and everybody's been asking me all about this. So thank you for being interested. Thank you for getting excited about tonight's guest because believe me, this guy, is, I'm sure he's got some idea how many fans he has and how much he's loved. Uh, but it's still, it's even more fun when you see it, uh, when you see people respond to, yeah, respond to all the things that I've put up about him on social media. For God's sake, celebrities were retweeting this. And that's what I like. So, um, he's a singer, songwriter, guitarist. Uh, you may know him from Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Uh, he's also played with Roger Daltrey and Hunter Southside Johnny. Um, just about everybody that's uh, anybody has been wanting to play with this guy. And please, so welcome him to his first time right here in the genie bottle known as Madame Perry Salon. Please welcome my guest, Ricky Bird. Hi, Ricky. How are you tonight? I am I, doing great. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Just had a pastrami sandwich here in New York, so I'm pretty satisfied. Oh, that, that's living the dream. Pastrami sandwich in New York? Absolutely. That that means it's, it's the real thing, right? It's not one of our imitations like we might have down here in, say, Atlanta or something. Um, <clears throat> I, I I don't think I've ever... Where are you? Are you Atlanta, is that where you, Georgia. You're you in Atlanta? I don't think I've ever had. Yeah. I don't think I've had a pastrami sandwich in Atlanta, but you got other good things in Atlanta. I know that. Yeah, you've been here plenty of times. I should have. Yeah. I should have checked with your people to see if you needed subtitles for my accent, but you seem to be doing okay so far. No, I, honey, I'm the one with the accent. <laughs> this is a Bronx. What I got is called a Bronx accent, Bronx, New York. Yeah, you, you don't get much more New York than you, do you? No, it's pretty. It's pretty hard to hide it. I try sometimes, but it's a certain <laughs> words. Certain words expose my um, heritage here in New York. You know, there's a, a a musician. Well, I've met him, and he's been on here too before. A friend of yours, but he's more Staten Island. Has a little bit of the same accent. Chasm uh, Sultan. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe we we. Um... I guess certain words. Uh, see, yeah. I, I don't know what it's like down in, in Atlanta, but in Georgia, but every part of New York, there's actually like Queens, New York. There's a slightly different accent. The Bronx, slightly different. Staten Island, slightly different. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we all have in common is we. The only thing we all have in common is we, we say what we mean. <laughs> no <laughs> you know, holding back. 
I like that about my New York girlfriends is that you don't have to worry like down here. What, what do they really mean by what they said? This is what they say and what they mean. But the New York gals, they're very upfront. So, oh, yeah. So you, know what, you, you know what happened. You know what happened when it happened. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is no finding out about it down the road when you're not invited to parties or something and, and everybody's looking at you. There's no finding out later. There's none of that. Well, hun, she should have known. No, well, nothing about, like that. The thing about New York is it's so so hustle and bustle. You know, mm-hmm. it's like people going in all different directions and rushing to get here and there. And I think we just don't have time to mess about. <laughs> That's what I told my mother when she said, well, they're so short. I go, it's cold. they got to say what they got to say and keep moving. It's cold. Yeah. They're we, only have X, so. we only have X amount of time, you know. <laughs> and I've only got X amount of time with you. And I am just so grateful that you, you've you been on quite a whirlwind media tour, and uh, especially yeah. on day-to-day, too. So thanks for being so generous to be here in Madame Perry Salon. I hope you like it. It's a little comfortable in here for you. It's like the uh, inside of Jeannie's bottle, people say. And um yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty cozy. They... I'm, I'm, I'm feeling cozy. Oh, good. Good. That's, that's good. Got a nice cushion to sit on. I had a few horror writers in here that uh, left some burritos at one point, but we got all that cleaned out at one time. Oh, my God. So, listen, talking about you, you had quite an, uh, an amazing career. Um, and I don't know if you even imagined being a rock and roll Hall of Famer when you were a kid and first picked up a guitar. No. Well, first of all, there was no such thing when I first picked up the guitar. That that came way later. But um, no, I don't, I don't know what I – I mean, I, I do know that when I was nine years old, I mean, if you saw my the, the speech at the Rock Hall that night, uh, what I said was true. You know, I, I was um, – every Sunday night, there was a show called The Ed Sullivan Show, and um, Ed brought in – uh, all kinds of guests. It was like a variety show, so there'd be a, you know, a Broadway cast, and there'd be comedians, and there'd be old school singers, and then they'd always bring. Uh, once the '60s came around, he always brought some sort of a rock and roll band from England, or, you know, somebody from here like Paul Revere and the Raiders, and, and literally that 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 first time I saw the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, that it was all, like a couple of weeks apart, if I remember correctly. I was nine years old, man, and I and I just. You know, I, there was no such thing as, oh, I'm going to wind up in the rock hall. But I do know that I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to be doing that. That's that's what I want to do. Because, uh, you know, I, I saw I saw something in those guys. Um, well, first of all, I love the music right off the bat. But there was something kind of mischievous. And, um, uh, you know, like I said in the speech, I said, um, uh, they looked like I felt, right? That's A. B was uh, mm-hmm. the girl... B was the girls were screaming, so that was a plus right off the bat. Because because I was a shy little kid, you know, I was like this quiet little kid. And then um, and the final thing C was that uh, when they finished playing, the the host Ed Sullivan looked completely horrified, and I was like, I'm in, baby. <laughs> Boy, it ticked off every box for you, didn't it? And I think it did for <laughs> for a lot of us. And hey, that's a good thing. So. Uh, <laughs> Great. And so you mentioned, uh, 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 I'm going to come back to PR&R in just a minute, Paul Revere and the Raiders. You know, who was the first band you saw live in concert? You know, that's an interesting question because I see on Facebook everybody writes these things. They go, oh, this is the first band I saw. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I, I, can't, I never really marked that piece of time. I mean, I was going to concerts uh, here in New York by – 72 like you know i was 15 i was going to um i did go to the fillmore right at the end 
um, you know, I was too young to go for the heyday, but I did see a couple of a uh, couple of bands at the Fillmore East, and then we had a place called the Academy of Music, which was a grand old vaudeville place. Um, on, it was on 14th Street here in New York, and I think I saw the bulk of my shows. It might have been one of those shows. I, I could be wrong. I mean, I saw Rod Stewart in the Faces when I was 16 at a big music festival in, in the Poconos here up in the mountains. But to tell you what was the first concert, I don't know. I know what the first record I got. I remember what was that? I got I got two records on the same day. I think I was with the, at the store with my mom. I got The Monkees and Jimi Hendrix Experience, two both on the same day. Uh, so from you know, and and my taste goes from one to the other and everything in between. Uh, you we're so glad you're to, you're here to talk too about it. you've got a brand new CD out and yeah, baby. I've got it specially autographed by you or at least oh, somebody cool. that writes a lot like you. No, but, that was me. <laughs> I think, and I tell you what, I put I think you might saw I put on LinkedIn if you get this because somebody else said yeah I got that too. I said if you get this. Don't plan anything else. Don't plan uh-huh. anything else because you're not going to want to stop. Because I had it in the car, I got it for the post office, got in the car, had things to do. So I just had to sit in the parking lot and go back home thinking, I'll hit these places tomorrow. It is it is magnificent. It's called Clean Getaway, Ricky Bird Clean mm-hmm. Getaway, which is also the name of your uh, nonprofit foundation, isn't it? Yep. That's true. Um, it's called, kind of like a, a companion piece, I guess. I mean, the this, this story in a nutshell of, of how this record came about is um, uh, I'm one of those people that uh, lived a kind of a hard, wild life, you know, many death-defying feats and near misses for 18 years straight. And uh, I cleaned up my act in 1987, so I've been in recovery for like a, a little bit over 30 years now. And um, I started to go, around two years ago, I started to go to treatment facilities around the country and and lead music groups like recovery music groups and um you know the thing when somebody's in treatment that they're especially when they're in detox they're coming i mean that's the first stop right so they're coming off the street they're they're coming off bad things happening um either they were put there or they went there voluntarily they have low self-esteem a little bit of self-loathing from you know that whole oh man i did it again thing that we go through and um it's very hard to get people to listen to you. But I think my angle is, you know, I'm this rock and roll guy. I come strolling in or swaggering in, I guess, with my guitar and <laughs> a couple of tattoos and, you know, my hair standing up and the whole bit. And um, they at least listen to me. It's almost, it's like a crack in the window where I could kind of reach in and, and, and maybe grab them by the soul and, and, and kind of get them to pay attention until recovery hopefully has a chance to, to really take hold and maybe save their life. So I think that's my angle. So, so I'm doing these things. I started off with one song and, and the one song is, um, and it was just a, I just walked, I went into a place, these people I met from this one treatment facility. I said, listen, what would you think if I kind of came in with my guitar? It was just like as simple as that. And, um, we worked something out, and I started doing it. So I was doing it for two years. I started off with one tune, which is the final tune on the record, Broken is a Place. And um, mm-hmm. I, so I had one tune, right? So that what is it, three minutes and something. <clears throat> and the rest of the time I would, I would kind of just talk. 
and then talk about where I came from and you know, a little bit of a couple of music stories and and rock and roll, you know, the rock and roll and the and the scene that goes with it. And every time we'd have these conversations in these facilities like I would we would pick subjects or they would start talking about things like relapse or feeling alone or whatever it was and I would kind of jot it down in my mind until I got to my car and then I'd write it in my uh on my notepad on my phone I'd go home and I'd write a song and I wound up with I don't know 18 songs or something like that over the course of two years so every time I would finish this group they would kind of line up and come over and and you know just kind of converse after the, the the actual group and they'd have me sign stuff and I'd bring a bunch of picks to give away and um, they'd always say like where do we get this music man we got to bring this music home I need this I need to hear this stuff and uh, I kept putting it I kept like procrastinating and say yeah yeah I'm gonna do I'll do a record I guess I got to do a record it's like oh man how am I gonna do a record uh, so I talked to some people and they told me yeah you know what these days you get people to pre-order it. You, you, do, you do like a campaign. So I did this Pledge Music campaign, which is one of the companies that uh, does those kind of things. And um, it's like the music version of GoFundMe, I guess. And I raised the money, and I went in and I recorded this cool record. And um, I had uh, I, I didn't really want any, you know, when I when I started to do it. I said, okay, so what am I going to do? Should, should I call all my friends, like like these rock and roll heavies, to come on here and play? And I said, you know what? I, I want Recovery to be the um, special guest. So, but I did have, I had, I needed a band because I don't have a band. So I got uh, on bassist that my co-producer, who did my solo record with me a couple of years before, Bob Standard, great bass player, great guitar player too. Um, and on drums, so I needed a drummer. So. Um, uh, I got Steve Holly, who's out with uh, Ian Hunter right now in the Rant Band, um, and uh, he also he was with uh, McCartney and Wings. And then um, what else did I have? I had a couple of keyboard players. Um, everybody's on the road, so the the beauty of, of mm -hmm. modern day technology. I mean, Steve came in and played, Bob played, I played in the studio. But I would send files to uh, the keyboard players wherever they were. One of them was um, who played on the majority, majority of the record is a guy named Andy Burton, who's out with Little Steven and the Disciples of Soul right now. He's played with like John Mayer and Cindy Lauper and a whole bunch of people. And um, the second guy was uh, Jeff Kazee, who plays with Southside Johnny. So I, see, I did about a year with Southside um, about eight years ago. So all those guys are my friends now. So uh, Jeff, I sent him a file. He played on, uh, I think he played on one song, and then he played accordion on another one. And then um, I did a gig. I did two shows with... Um, Bobby Whitlock and Coco Carmel, his wife, um, in New York. So Bobby played keyboards with Eric Clapton, of course, and Derek and the Dominoes. So that was an amazing thrill for me to play those shows with them because, um, you know, we did like half the freaking Layla record, and that was pretty intense for me. Uh, of course, I had to get it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to go back. I had to play the songs like like the real deal, not like a guy that would play them in a bar a bar band. I had to go back and really study the parts. I didn't want to embarrass myself. And um, after we finished those two gigs, I'm like, dude, I'm like in the middle of this record. Would you play on a song? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Sent them the track. He lives in Austin. You know, a couple of days later, they sent me back. He plays on the blues track, uh, Clean Getaway. 
Um, so that was the core band, and then I had a couple of, I mean, 99% of the backgrounds are me. Uh, I sing, I sing great with myself. Like you know, it's so it saves so much time because I I know my phrasing. And I, I know I'm serious. It does save time. Uh, and um, and when you're on a budget, time is the thing. Uh, and then oh, I got yeah. my friend uh, Christine Ullman, my my soul sister, who yeah, she's with she's with the SNL band, and she's you know she plays with everybody, all all uh, Charlie Musselwhite and all these cool players. And uh, and finally, Marge Raymond, who played with a band called Flame back in the '70s, and she's sung. She's she's been on tour with ELO and a whole bunch of people. And that's really it. And um, we just knocked it out. It took about I think I started in February of this year. I finished in August, but I wasn't in there every day. I was in there maybe once, twice a week. And uh, then we mixed it, mastered it. And um, the one thing I did do was. Uh, I got I got my pal uh, Michael DeBar. You know Michael? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I was just saying he was the first person when I put it out on Twitter that you were going to be here on the show. M- Michael was was retweeting it within five minutes. Oh, oh, that's love. He's, he's a doll, man, and he's a he's like a, a, a straight shooter. I mean, people might know him from when he was an act. I mean, he's an actor, so he was on MacGyver. He was the villain on yeah. MacGyver. Um, he's on, uh, and, and he was, I think he was on Roseanne for a while too. Um, he was in, uh, Wasn't he in to, to serve with love? Yes, he was. That's right. When he was a youngster. Um, and he was, uh, he played with the power station. He had a couple of really cool bands, uh, checkered past and detective. And, um, and now he's a resident DJ on little Stevens underground garage. Um, but he, he's like my pal. And the one thing about him and his English, uh, uh, personality is that he will tell you the truth, and you know when you produce when you when you produce yourself, you can sometimes run into trouble because you're so close to the project. So I picked Michael mm-hmm. to be my go-to guy. Like I would send him, like at like one in the, one in the morning, like when I'd be in the studio and I could not think of the next thing. Like I was like a deer in the headlights. I would text him and go, "Look, man, what do you think of this? Should I put horns? Or what do you think I should?" And he would he would tell me the truth, and and that's what a, you know you always got to have people surrounding you that don't just uh, tell you what you want to hear. And towards the end of the project, yeah. when I was when I was mixing, I would I'd send a track here and there to Little Steven and say, Hey man, are the horns loud enough? Or should I? Because after a while, your brain is like fried. You've been like working on this thing for eight months, and uh, you know you can't even you can't think straight. So um, I always I learned to lean on people a long time ago, and it turned out great. You know, I love it. My kid took the front photo of the record, and um, really? and, the be- and the best part of this, uh, the best part of doing this record, and uh, uh, the end of part A of the story is now when I go to these treatment facilities, I give them out to the patients, to the clients, uh, to the ladies and gents that are uh, residing in the treatment facilities. Uh, but I have one rule: is um, if they complete their stay there on the way out, they get a they get a copy of the record. And um, so that part of it's done. And I'm also I'm also selling it uh, all the usual online uh, stores uh, like Amazon and iTunes and CD Baby. Um, and I'm taking a percentage of of that profit from selling it, and I'm putting it into Clean Getaway. Uh, the nonprofit, 
And, you know, let's just say, so I'm giving them out. When I say I'm giving them out, like every time I go to one of these treatment facilities, I'm giving out like 75, 100 CDs. So I'm going to run out quickly. So I'm taking a part of the sales from uh, the other side of it, and I'll buy more to give out. So it's like a complete, it's a cycle. Um. And Clean Clean Getaway, the nonprofit, is something I started because I had this idea of taking this thing I do here in New York and taking it around the country uh, like getting a tour bus, right? And it says, have recovery, we'll travel on the side of it. And um, and either it's just, you know, me on acoustic or, or an, a complete all-star band or something in between and going around the country and playing. I mean, we can't really play bars, I guess, because we're doing this kind of music. But uh, yeah, yeah. so, you know, playing small uh-huh. theaters or schools yeah. and I mean, the, the, the basis of the mission of, of Clean Getaway is to kind of spread the message of recovery um, through education, prevention, which is really important. So that means like going to high schools and junior high schools, uh, uh, awareness of what's what's going on so parents understand that you should not keep uh, uh, excess pills just so your kid, you know, your teenager sneaks into your medicine cabinet because there's a lot of people that get uh, hooked like that. Uh, knowing awareness that when you go to the doctor and your kid has a, a football injury or, or some sort of injury and, and the doctor wants to give them uh, 30 oxycodone, you should question that and maybe get a second opinion. Uh, and that's what's that's the overprescribing part of this whole epidemic that's going on. And uh, and talking to parents about how to deal with um, family members that are going through this right now. I mean. You know, you got parents that never had any kind of problems in the addiction, substance abuse disorders in the family, maybe, and they don't have a clue what to do when their kid comes banging at the door at 5 o'clock in the morning begging for $20 so they could get their fix. So could you imagine being a parent and not knowing, should I do tough love or should I give them the money? Either way, it doesn't sound like a good, uh, you know, choice. So there's, that's that's the mission, really, of Clean Getaway. So, but it's all the centerpiece of it is going to be music, like rock and roll. So we'll take this record, and whoever I'm with, we will play this set uh, of songs, and we will also have a couple of professionals from the treatment world that can talk about all the things I just said. Uh, and you know, people could walk away with a good feeling from the rock and roll. Uh, and some information they may need. We'll set up tables with maybe pamphlets of all different kinds of stuff, informative stuff. And you know what? In in the end, the the end game is I want people to know that you could, you know, you can quit that lifestyle and and be clean and sober and have and still have and still have a great time. Or as I like to say, you can have a blast without doing a blast. I think that's one of your lyrics in there, wasn't it? No, no, that was uh, Well, if it's not, I think I heard you say that. It's an interview, an interview, yeah. I think yeah. I heard you in an interview say that, but yeah, it's true. And you know, it's, and that's where the money will go to if people easy. donate. You know, that's where the that's the that's where the money goes. So, so the the nonprofit is cleangetaway.nyc. People should go in there and see what it's all about. If you think you want to get behind it, uh, you know, donate something. I mean, I'm looking for also people that like. 
CEOs that support this or have people in their family and they want to get behind something like this. Like if we could really get a bankroll together, man, we could do this all across the country, man. It would be like this crazy ass rock and roll circus that brings like hope and possibilities and, and, you know, recovery across the country. And I think we need, we need everybody to do their part right now and get in the trenches and really try to try to help because it's, we're losing about 150 or so people a day. Well, yeah, I was going to get to that because, yeah, and and I and also if you're listening, you know, everything, every connection to uh, Clean Getaway and uh, everything of Ricky's, I will be sharing on all of my social media, everything I've got, whether it's my business or um, or Madam Perry Salon or anything personal, I'll always be able to provide that for you. But, you know, sometimes there are things where people talk about, well, this is an epidemic of that, and uh, things are, are worse now than ever. And some things that people go through, yeah, they've, they've been here before. Yeah, that's always been. There's nothing new under the sun. However, um, and, and I'm not an expert on this in this field, but from what little I do know empirically and what I read and hear, that this is – probably worse than it's ever been before because of the grain strength of street drugs as well as the pharmaceutical opioids and something or the overprescription or the ease of getting things away. And I think there was, uh, I'm trying to remember, I meant to write this down, one of the lyrics um, in one of your songs on Clean Getaway was about going to the funeral of a friend and seeing the parents cry. Yeah, and, and, still, I, and still I can't uh, stop. Yeah, that was so the tail end of that. And That's remember, the whole. That therein lies the rub. You know, I see all this devastation going down, but yet I still can't quit. That's that. That was the basis sure, of that song. And in one of the songs, um, the song uh, "Kid" is where you're talking to. Well, it sounds like you're talking to a child. Your child saying, "You know, I'm telling you this just like my dad told me, and I didn't. You know." And this is what I went through. Believe it. Yeah, okay. and, and I'll tell you what, yeah. you know, between me, you, and everybody that's listening, um, when, I, when I started the record, I knew I had these really great songs, but I wanted to get some airplay. So I got together with uh, Mark Hudson, and I said, let's write a song. We co-wrote two songs on the record. Um, I said, let's write a song that talks about this, but not bangs you over the head with it. So let's do it. Like one of the problems is how do you talk to your – I mean, we were all teenagers, right? Nobody wants to be talked to. I mean, we, we when we're mm-hmm. teenagers, we think we're immortal. That'll never happen to me. You know, I got this. Uh-huh. I can handle this. So how do you talk to – so I have the advantage of going through it. So I could sit down with my kid or a parent could sit down with their kid. And if the, if you remember the key line to that is um, I'm not preaching. I'm just reaching out to you. So it's really important yeah. that parents – keep a communication open with their kids because when you start using, you start sneaking around. And sometimes parents, I've, I've heard parents say to me, I didn't even know how bad it was until I got the call from uh, the hospital. And, you know, we have to keep talking. We're in a world now where it's really hard to live. Both parents have to work most of the time. There's not a lot of that dinner table stuff. And, um, Hey man, it's up to us. You gotta sit down with your kids. If you notice anything, a little strange behavior, that's part of the education stuff that I that I want to you know talk about going around the country. And you don't be afraid to find out what's going on. Ask them. Sit down eye to eye. Hey, you okay? What's happening? And you got to dig a little because everybody's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, I'm fine. You know. But if you start noticing stuff disappearing or 
you know, you, you got to look at, I mean, I have, I have like radar because I was one of those people, right? You know, you got to look into somebody's eyes and you can tell if if they're pinned uh, or if they're, they're bulging, you know, they're on something. Um, but you got to keep on top of it and you got to know who your friends, your kids' friends are. I mean, I sound like a parent, but I yeah. am a parent and I'm an adult, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and listen, man, yeah. and what- it, it, it happens really fast. I mean, there's, there's, there's kids dying like, like every day um, that are like, it, it's insane what's going on. And I'll tell you what, like you were just saying, yeah, this is the worst drug epidemic in American history. Why is that? Because there's always been, listen, first since the first caveman picked up a flower and went and, and chewed on it, went, huh, that tastes good. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. You know, there was, there was always something that took you out of yourself. But, and, and we had the, the 80s, you know, in the 60s, Acid in the 70s, um, mm-hmm. a pot, a heroin started uh, again. I mean, in the 20s, there was a huge opioid crisis. Uh, opium, and, and obviously there was uh, Coca-Cola. It's not called that by accident, right? There was Coke in it. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so if you read up on stuff by, from, from that era, you will see that it's not the first time that this has happened, but what's going on right now um, is, like you said, there's a lot of manufactured um, drugs. Uh, the pot even is not, it's not like when I was a teenager. I mean, they're, they're, they're dosing pot with fentanyl and, 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 you know, the heroin has, they're mixing with fentanyl. Fentanyl is like 25 or I, I don't know the exact number, times more powerful than heroin. I mean, you do it once and you could die. So, I mean, when when, when yeah. people, when the EMTs go to these places, they have to wear special gloves and special masks because the fentanyl gets in the air and it could kill the EMT. Oh. Uh, so, Didn't know why, that. so that, so that's what's, that's what's going on. And there's a long story about why this happened, but I'll tell you what, if you watch that 60 minute piece about how um, the DEA was handcuffed about going after you know the pharmaceutical companies and the distributors uh you get an understanding of what's going on i mean there's a lot of there's mm. a lot of dirty stuff going on you know cross my palm, well, palm with sil- cross my palm with silver as the pirates used to say mhm mm-hmm. when money's involved and, and, baby you know, you, oh yeah oh yeah every, every yeah every scruple or, or goes out the window when um I think about 20 years ago, I was working a job for a, a company that provided hardware and software uh, programs for pharmaceutical reps. And as a downsize, many of us had to do other jobs. And so once I had to go, um, or I got to go to a thing where they were building out a new software, and I got to sit there with the reps from these companies and teaching them how to use the software or helping them with it. And so much of it was in, okay, had to do with the doctors that you see that you want to prescribe more of this drug. You know, you give them this gift. We're going to make it easy for you to print out a check right here and give them a check, you know, for um, as, as an honorarium for speaking to other doctors at an event. And i got to tell you, I was just wowed by that. It's like everything was made about how can you have party, how can you give them gifts, how can you have – if somebody prescribes a certain drug a lot, they were called, you know, whatever that drug was, a lover. You know, it's, oh, that's our um, – you know, Oxycontin lover. He's our Valium lover. He's whatever lover. And so we're going to get that doctor, get him to speak to other doctors and say, 
why they should prescribe it, and then we are able just to cut him a check right there as his honorarium. And I, you know, it's not that I didn't know certain things went on, but I didn't know it went on like that. Well, you know what? I was just I was just talking to I was just talking to somebody at my pharmacy, uh, the pharmacist who's a friend of mine, and. You know, we were talking about this, and I didn't realize it was illegal these days. Like, you know, like you said, you know, when you're in the doctor's office and you see the, the representative from the pharmaceutical company come in with the briefcase, you know, and they have to wait till this time to talk to the doctor. Well, there was a time when they would say, look, we're having a uh, big conference down in the Bahamas. Uh, we'd like, you know, you come down there and spend four or five days down there, you know, free trips, free this and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lobbyist in Washington, and we know that the pharmaceutical companies are huge, and it's uh, and it's a combination of that, and uh, but doctors overprescribing, and I think a lot of it uh, they were conned by a couple of these companies about certain medications that were supposed to be not as addictive as they were told, and doctors, you know, 99.9 percent of the doctors want to help people. And they want to keep yeah. people from being in pain, but what they wound up doing was mm. over-prescribing certain medications. That now they're starting to find out mm. that, you know, aspirins would have done the trick at certain points. But you know, when a, when mm-hmm. somebody comes in, when a 20-year-old comes in, uh, because he, you know, I don't know, um, some kind of minor injury, and and let's just say right off the bat. None of this conversation has anything to do with people that have chronic pain and and it's a quality of life issue. Nobody wants anybody to suffer. This is all about mis uh overprescribing to people that don't need what they're getting. So there are certain laws that have passed in certain places. I don't know, I I live in New York so I, I only know what's here that you can only give 7 days, supposedly only 7 days of like, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.